You are listening to a message from Bethany First Church of the Nazarene, online at bethanynaz.org. I feel a bit challenged in my spirit not to move on too quickly, but to ask the question again, what if God did something in my heart today or in your heart today that left us changed to never be the same again? I I was playing golf not long ago and uh, walking down a fairway and... um, with a friend, and, uh, and he said something to me about what I was preaching, and I told him, and, and then um, he, he said this to me. He said, I used to pray for opportunities to witness to people, to talk to people about Jesus. He said, but I felt like God began to say to me, quit praying for opportunities. They're in front of you all the time. You should start praying for boldness. And so he said, I did. I stopped praying that God would give me opportunities, and I started praying for boldness. He's one of those people that amazes me in the way that he so freely talks to people about faith. So I think all of my life I've tended to think if I could build relationships with people and then maybe earn the right to talk to them about faith, he sees it differently. He talks to people about faith, which earns him the right to build relationships with people. And he has lots of relationships that's formed out of these faith conversations that he has with people. I I think he grew up in church, and then he looked at the Bible, and he kind of said, what's happening in everyday life doesn't look like what is happening in Scripture. And so he just began to pray for this boldness that God would give him the strength to actually talk to people about Jesus. And it's now becoming a way of life for him. I I think when we talk about boldness, um, it's hard to have it in the same conversation when we're talking about inadequacy. So you remember last week I talked about how we feel inadequate sometimes to do things like witness But we talked about moving from this feeling of being inadequate to being empowered. Now, empowered is not about me, right? That does not come from within me. That comes from an outside source. That is something God does. So in his word, I read to you last week in the book of Acts, you will receive power. You will be empowered when the Holy Spirit comes on you and you will be my witnesses. In other words, Jesus never believed in his heart that it was up to you to find some kind of strength or power to witness. No, 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 no. I'm not counting on you to do that. The Holy Spirit is going to empower you, and then you will be able to witness. You can't do the work of God without the power of God. It's futile to try. So the Father is going to give you His Spirit, and the Spirit is going to empower you to witness. Now, I'll just confess to you that there are many times in my life, sometimes it's many times in a week, that I found myself acting because I feel that the Spirit is leading me to act. You, you say, well, what does that look like in your life? Oh, it, it may be that I, I take out my phone, and, uh, and I make a phone call. I call someone. I feel like m- maybe the thought has hit me a couple of times in the last maybe a couple hours, and I think, hey, I think that's the Spirit leading me. I think I should call that person. 
Sometimes it means I, I turn around and I drive back to where I just came from to have a conversation with somebody. Sometimes it might be a, a small financial gift. But there are many times in my life that I act because I believe the Spirit is leading me to act. Is there anyone else in the room who is just enough of a mystic that you believe the Spirit often leads you to? So I'm going to put a statement on the screen. And the statement is reflective of what happens in the passage of Scripture that I'm going to read to you in a minute. And I want you not verbally but inwardly to respond, maybe react, to the statement. Here's the statement. The Spirit leads us to witness, to share our faith, to talk to others about Jesus... The Spirit leads us to witness to specific, rather, people. In other words, there might be times when God might lead you or me to witness, to talk to someone about Jesus, to share our faith with a specific person. How are we doing? You agree? You disagree? Would you say, not me? That really doesn't happen to me? I don't remember the last time I felt like the Spirit led me to witness to a specific person. Why don't you say it happened to Philip instead it happens to us? I mean, that's what the Scripture tells us this morning. That's the story you're in. I'm more comfortable with it happened to him than it happens to us. I, I do believe that there's a conversation to be had here about the fact that we can turn everything else up so loud in our lives that we drown other voices. Because it's always been interesting to me when somebody would join me in praying this open arms prayer that we talk about, Lord, bring someone into my life today. Give me the ability to recognize them and the grace to open my arms to them. When, when any of us who are followers of Jesus begin to pray that prayer, it's, it's, it's overwhelming how many people just kind of show up in our lives. And we feel the Spirit saying, that's him, that's her. And so I think there's something to be said about tune, being tuned in, about turning down other voices so that I can hear the Spirit when the Spirit speaks to me. So let me take you to that passage of Scripture. Acts chapter 8, begin with verse 26. It's a story of a guy whose name is Philip. Now, not Philip the apostle, the disciple, but Philip who was one of the seven chosen to help care for the widows, distribute food. You remember him. Uh, he's later called the evangelist Philip, and you'll see why he's called the evangelist here in just a moment. Now, an, an angel of the Lord said to Philip, uh, in a moment, we're going to read the words, the Spirit spoke to him, okay? So this is the, the Spirit of God speaking. An angel of the Lord said to Philip, go south to the road, the desert road that goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. You hear on the news a lot about the Gaza Strip, right? South of Jerusalem. And so he started out, and on his way, he met an Ethiopian eunuch. An important official in charge of the treasury of the Kandake, which means the queen of the Ethiopians. So the chief financial officer of the queen of Ethiopia. This man had gone to Jerusalem to worship. That's interesting, isn't it? Probably a Gentile. And on his way home, he was sitting in his chariot 
Not many people could afford a chariot in those days. Reading the book of Isaiah, the fact that he had a copy of Isaiah is a big deal too. Hard to come by, hard to acquire. The Spirit told Philip, see the words here, Spirit told Philip, because the Spirit leads us to specific people, go to that chariot and stay near it. And then Philip ran up to the chariot and he heard the man reading Isaiah the prophet. Do you understand what you're reading, Philip asked. Well, how can I, he said, unless someone explains it to me. And so he invited Philip to come up and to sit with him. And so this is the passage of scripture the eunuch was reading. He was like a sheep to the slaughter, as the lamb before its shearer is silent, so he did not open his mouth. In his humiliation, he was deprived of justice. Who can speak of his descendants? For his life was taken from the earth. And so the eunuch asked Philip, tell me, please, who is the prophet talking about, himself or somebody else? And then Philip began with that very passage of Scripture, and he told him the good news about Jesus. Okay? God has a new kingdom, and Jesus is the king. There is a new life to be lived. So as they traveled along the road, they came to some water, and the eunuch said, here is water. Why, what can stand in the way of, of my being baptized? And he gave orders, stop the chariot. That means he had servants driving his chariot. Then both Philip and the eunuch went down to the water, and Philip baptized him. So when they came up out of the water, the Spirit of the Lord, because he is here working in our midst, right? suddenly took Philip away, and the eunuch did not see him again, but went on his way rejoicing. Philip, however, appeared at Azotus and traveled about preaching the gospel in all the towns until he reached Caesarea. That's his hometown. This is the word of the Lord for us today. I, I've probably told you over the years about how I ended up in church. Haven't I told you that story? You remember that story? I had a drug problem. Seriously, that's how I ended up in church. I had a drug problem. My parents drugged me to church Sunday after <laughs> Sunday after Sunday. Yeah. That truly was my life. And it was a great life. So my dad became a Christian by the time that I was five. But before that, my mother had already been taking me to church. And, and all of my life, I heard about Jesus. All my life. Probably first on my mother's knee. Probably first there. Um, and so, church, there were all these other people talking to me about Jesus. People invested in me. I can name you names. Louise Patton. Kay Powell. Donnie Bennett. It's a long list of people in that little church who just invested in my life sharing Jesus with me. That's my story. But it's not everybody's story. Everybody didn't grow up like I grew up. And so what about all of the people in this world who didn't grow up hearing about Jesus? How do they come to know about Jesus? I was in a meeting this past week in regard to the um, 
ministry at Two Lakes. And in the meeting, and by the way, God is opening doors with that ministry. In, in the meeting, this was what was stated. This is what was said, okay? The reason we do what we do at Two Lakes has a face. We do it for people. And they begin to tell stories. One of the stories they told was about a young mother who has had a severe drug addiction for many, many years. But she began to show up at the food pantry and was given food and began to show up at the medical clinic and was given medical care and began to show up at the church and was given Jesus. It's a tragic story. She died a few months ago. But she did not die without hope. The reason we do what we do at Two Lakes has a face. We do it for people. And so I'm trying to wrap all of that around my head this morning. And I'm thinking about what about all the people who didn't grow up hearing about Jesus and what about this ministry that we have in a place like Two Lakes? And, and, I, and I'm kind of left with an uncomfortable reality in my life when I try to wrap my head around all of that. And the uncomfortable reality is simply this, that there is a gap between what we see in Jesus' life and what we see in our own lives. Maybe that feels judgmental to you. I'm including myself in that statement. I'm not trying to be harsh. I don't believe I'm the only one in the room who would say that's a true statement. There seems to be a gap in what we see in Jesus' life and what we see in our own lives. And, and the gap is that everything we see in Jesus' life is that he is all about wanting people's relationship with God to be restored through the person of himself, Jesus. He's all about trying to help people come to this place of forgiveness of their sins, made right in their journey with God. He says himself, I've come that you might have life and have it abundantly. I mean, full life. I want your life to be awesome and incredible. And it seems to me that that was the essence of what his life was about. He was compassionate. He was loving. He was kind. He was all of those things. But first and foremost, he was here on a mission and the mission was to help people come into a right relationship with God. And so, in this story, this is what we see being the primary concern. Now, this man is described as a eunuch. If you don't know what a eunuch is, a eunuch is defined by any Google search. That's the way I am. I don't cower. I just hit things head on. <laughs> yep. Just tell it like it is. That there, there's questions as to whether he was a eunuch because the same word is also translated for anyone who was a worker in a royal court. So being the chief finance officer for the queen of Ethiopia, 
See? We assume he's a Gentile, nothing to tell us he was a Jew. And you've got to remember that the gospel is not yet being preached to Gentiles. It's only in this chapter, chapter 8, that we first hear of anybody talking to a Gentile about Jesus. And that's Philip talking to some Samaritans. You say, wait a minute. A few months ago, we talked about Antioch and how many were cut. We're not there yet. That's chapter 11. This is just now happening. But he has some kind of interest in this Jewish God. He travels all the way from Ethiopia to Jerusalem to worship this God. He has a copy of the prophet Isaiah. Everything I read tells me this man is searching for something. He's on a road, yes, but he's on a road to somewhere specifically. He's looking for something. And I think that it's interesting that God often places us in people's lives who are searching. I think it's often that the Spirit leads us to people whose hearts are already open, whose hearts He has already prepared. It's not always. Sometimes we're there just to plant seed. Sometimes we're there to water. Sometimes we're there to be a part of the harvest. So I think the great question today is, all right, Rick Harvey, what do you want me to do? You know, I think that's where we kind of land many Sundays. We're going to leave. We're going to walk out the doors. What do we do? And so let's spend a few minutes there, okay? Um, a friend gave me a book a while back. It's called The 10-Second uh, the Rule. It's by a guy whose name is Claire DeGraff. Subtitle, Following Jesus Made Simple. I don't know if it gets real simple. But um, the tagline says, just do the next thing you're reasonably certain Jesus wants you to do. And do it within the next 10 seconds. That's the idea. And so I begin reading the book. And the guy tells his own story of growing up in a Christian home. And the thing to do, he said, was to be baptized at a certain age. I think it was 12 Every other kid in his church got baptized at 12. He, he didn't really, you know, feel like that was maybe his deal because he didn't feel like he was ready for that. But his parents determined he was. They even brought the pastor over to the house one night to tell him that he was. So he got baptized. His parents were happy. He said, I, I really wasn't. And he says, that was kind of my life as a Christian. I was just, I went to church. I prayed before my meals, but he said, when I was 35 years old, I'd already had some success in business and really didn't need to work anymore. And it was at that age that I was given the news that I had cancer, bad cancer. And the doctor says, as I see it, Claire, I think we're looking at six to nine months at the most. I started searching for answers for something. I started searching the Bible. He said it was interesting. As I was searching, I didn't find a lot that addressed my cancer issue, but I did find Jesus. And I found a lot of his language to be challenging. But it wasn't what I'd seen in the church so much. He said things like, uh, if you want to be first, go to the back of the line. 
lay down your life, take up your cross, follow me. I kept looking for an alternative in the Gospels, but I couldn't find an alternative way to live. It was all kind of in that conversation. And so he said, I sold my business, and I said, God, I'm going to give you the balance of my life. Whatever I've got left, I'm going to live doing whatever it is I believe that you want me to do. And so he writes this little book, and it's really about just obedience. It's about whatever you feel certain that God is asking you to do, just do it now. Don't wait. Just do it. And, and that is what you see happening in this story. Let, let me illustrate, okay? There's two occasions where I see this standing out really strong. Angel of the Lord said to Philip, go south on the road, the road, desert road that goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. Read it with me. So he started out. That's what you call just immediate obedience, right? God says go, so he goes. Here's another example. The Spirit told Philip, go to that chariot and stay near it. Read it with me. Then Philip ran up to the chariot. Just, it's immediate obedience. And, and you wouldn't have the rest of the story if you didn't have immediate obedience, right? It wouldn't be recorded if he had not have obeyed. When you get to chapter 21 of the book of Acts, Luke describes Philip as the evangelist. If there had not have been immediate obedience, Luke would have never said, let's call him the evangelist. Anybody ever call you the evangelist? You ever heard anybody refer to your pastor as the evangelist, the soul winner? What's lacking in our lives that people don't describe us with those kinds of words? You say, Rick, that's not always going to be easy. Just, to, you know, I mean, sometimes God asks them really, whoa, you know, seriously? But the point is this. We must take the first step of obedience. So do you think it was easy for Philip? Let, let, me, let me describe the situation for you. Um, Philip is an olive-skinned Jewish man, an Israelite, Israeli. He's not a person of means. So the Ethiopian is nothing like him. He is a black-skinned African, extremely wealthy, enough to ride a chariot and have servants serving him. I mean, they come from two very different cultures. It would be easy for Phillips to say, I'm just not dressed good enough today to hang out with this guy or to talk to him. We, we don't even have the same culture. We don't even have the same customs. But in immediate obedience, with the 10-second rule, whatever you believe God is asking you to do, then just do it. Philip begins to open the scriptures to him, and he tells him about Jesus. And there's this beautiful story in the book of Isaiah where Isaiah says, Israel has failed to be the light to the world, but I imagine God will send this suffering servant who will come, and he will do what Israel has not done. 
His life will be taken from him, but he will be a blessing to the whole world, even to Gentiles. And no wonder the Ethiopian is elated and says, why can't I just get baptized now? I mean, God is opening his arms to me, this God that I'm curious about. So, there's only one way for me to explain any of this. The least likely person in the world to talk to this other person and for there to be this moment of conversion in his life, in spite of all of their differences that they bring to the table, even the color of their skin, the only explanation I can give you is that the witness was empowered. There was something happening beyond Philip. So I'm going to close. But I I left last week wishing I would have said, you want to come and pray? I did in in second service. And, and And I'm at this place in my life where that I feel like that this is a great church, you know? Do, 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 you, know, do, do you know what I think? I, I believe that as far as Nazarene churches go, I, I think I'm in, in the greatest church I could be a part of as a pastor. Uh, I mean, e- even through this crazy COVID thing, you've just rebounded. You know, attendance when we, we still have some people out, but when you add in online, we're, we're strong. Giving is strong. World mission efforts are strong. Ministry to places like Two Lakes, strong. Um, group life, strong. I mean, you just, I, I just look at this church and think, what, a, what an awesome church. But, but are you like me in that you want to be changed? Are, are you like me in the sense that, that you want to be a witness are, are you like me in the sense that you want to be a part of a church where it's, it's every week that we're celebrating stories of people coming to know Jesus? Are, are you like saying, I don't want to just leave today and, and then we just kind of go back to whatever, but I want to be changed. It's, it's not going to happen by some move or program. It's only when you and I begin to say, you know what? I may feel inadequate, but I'm empowered. And God can do something through me. And it may be begin with inviting someone to my church, with praying for someone. But, but why not just believe that God's word means what it says? And that this world can be different because... We've come to apply a 10-second rule that says when I'm certain that God's asking me to do something, I'm going to do it. So <clears throat> Nick's coming out, and he has a song. And, um, and so here, here's what the song is about. It, it, it's this idea that you're alive to tell your story. And I think that's the best witness you could ever have. Your story. You know, at 19, my life wasn't going in a good direction at all. 
And, and I was very empty inside. But one night in, in a little Nazarene church in Columbia, Kentucky, I just, I just said, I'm done. And I walked down an aisle and I kneeled down at an altar. And my life was changed. My values changed. My desires changed. I, I was just changed. I've got a story to tell people. You've got a story to tell people. You have been listening to a message from Bethany First Church of the Nazarene. Visit us online at bethanynaz.org.